0: Something has finally been stirring this week. I don't know what it is. Maybe you know what it is. Something that's starting to get me just a little bit excited. Lately, it seems that my weeks have just been filled with things and stuff and busyness and schedules and all of that stuff. It's maybe the same with you. Uh, It's maybe the same with you. Life just kind of gets busy around the holidays. Not bad things. Good things. Family things church things, other things, but lots of things, lots of stuff that has to get done. And I have to admit, it just, it kind of wears me out. It kind of dries me out a little bit. And so I'm feeling kind of parched, kind of dry, kind of thirsty for something to get me excited, and I've been, and I've sort of been sensing that this week. Maybe you have too. Parched and thirsty for something this Advent season, something this Christmas season that satisfies. And John's gospel does not contain a birth narrative. But it is filled with the truth we need to know about Christmas. The reason for our celebration. The message that we've received. The person who's changed our lives. And the message of good news of the babe born in Bethlehem. And and I'm finding that exciting. I'm finding that satisfying to read and to think about. And I wonder if you might find it exciting this morning. If you want to listen as I read in John chapter 1, you can follow along with the sermon outline in front of you. You'll see this sermon theme. John the Baptist's Christmas message identifies the babe born in Bethlehem. He is the Word made flesh, the light of life, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world. Let me begin reading. I'll I'll read in three portions, as you can see. Marked out on your sermon outline. I'll begin with verses 1 to 18. This is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Amazing words. Amazing Christmas words. In the beginning. You know, I've always felt that the Gospels in the New Testament should have been arranged with John first, then Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That way that as the Old Testament begins with in the beginning, the New Testament would begin with in the beginning. And then Luke would flow seamlessly into Acts. But nobody asked me, and I wasn't around at the important, critical time. I just, I just got to think about that. Uh, We have, in our study of Genesis, looked at these words in the beginning, recognizing that Christ is that Word. But we have this question, don't we, in John? The question is, what beginning? What beginning? Was it the beginning of His life on earth as the God-man? Is that the beginning? Because that's kind of the Christmas beginning, right? That's where Matthew and Luke's Gospels begin with the babe in the manger. That's where most Christmas sermons begin. Unless your pastor decides to preach out of John in December. Or was it the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry? That's where Mark's gospel begins. A man being baptized in the Jordan River, anointed for ministry for the next three years. But the Apostle John takes us back to the very beginning of creation. That's where those words come from. The very words of in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. At the beginning of creation, Jesus was. Jesus was the Word. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Some may then ask, was, was creation Jesus' beginning? No. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus existed at the beginning, before any of the creation took place. All creation came through Him. In Genesis, at the creation, everything that was created in in this space-time matter continuum that we know, that we call the world or the universe, was created through Jesus and only Jesus. There is nobody else that did some of the other creation stuff. All creation was by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus, which means that Jesus is eternal. Jesus preexisted creation with God. There is one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One god one God that exists in three persons, Blessed Trinity. The one triune God always was, always is, always will be. Jesus is eternal. Jesus, the Word, is eternal, glorious, powerful, and purposeful Son of God. And what was His great purpose? Life. Life. Jesus gives life. Life is in Jesus, and so Jesus is the life giver. And with that truth established in verse 4, the Apostle Bond shifts forward in time to Jesus coming into the world. His first advent. What we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus, who is life, shines the light of life on mankind. The Gospels are precious to us because they record the life of Jesus on this earth when he walked among mankind. And his life was light to men. His life shined with what life was supposed to be. He lived the life God intended created man to live, which is the life that man does not live. Man lives in darkness. Our sin has cloaked the world in darkness. We live flawed lives because we cannot see the perfection of God. We pursue unrighteousness because we cannot see the righteousness of God. We are not innocent because we have rebelled against the goodness of God. We live li- by lies because we cannot see the truth of God. We're lost in the darkness of our own making and we do not realize that we're justly condemned because of it. That's what it means to be in darkness. Jesus' life is the perfect, righteous, innocent, blessed life. That's why his life shines. The bright light of life in the darkness. On the dark lives of men. His purpose is to shine the light of life that gives life to those trapped in sin's darkness. That's what John is teaching us. Well, how bright is that light? Because it seems like this world's pretty dark. That light is so bright that the world's darkness and death cannot overcome Jesus' light of life. That's how bright Jesus' light of life is brighter than our dark and sinful hearts. Darkness may continue for a time, but it will never put out the light of life. Never! Life will conquer death. You know, a small light, like a candle or a match, it should be very easy to blow out, right? a fire when it's first lit is at its most vulnerable and easiest to extinguish just to, just to stamp that out corollary a babe in a manger a single man with a dozen followers a martyr on the cross dead and buried all seem too small a light too weak a fire surely evil men who served the darkness could overcome such a light. The seed of the serpent has crushed the heel of the seed of the woman on the cross. But as the Apostle John writes his gospel about sixty years after the death, burial and resurrection of Christ, he writes that the darkness has not overcome it. And I think he smiles. Even that that first seed of Christianity from Christ to the disciples as it spread across the world, it couldn't be put out. Not even at its earliest nature. The babe born in Bethlehem lying in a manger is Jesus. Maybe you're beginning to get a little bit excited too. Christmas is about the Word and the light. And the apostle John goes on to expound both. We haven't heard enough yet. He's going to tell us more. Jesus is the light. Jesus came into the world. That's the astounding message of Christmas, isn't it? You haven't been fooled. That's the astounding message of Christmas. Even though Jesus is the one who created the world, and even though Jesus is the true light of life for all the peoples in the world, still the world did not know him. And we understand why. Because the world is lost in darkness. God spoke creation into existence by the Word, and it was paradise. It was paradise. Adam and Eve had everything good, and God's blessing to be fruitful and multiply, and have dominion over everything. And it was very good. But they chose to disobey God they chose to rebel against God and live in the darkness of the serpent's lies and deception. Even so, God promised to send the seed of the woman, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, to crush the serpent's head. The Old Testament traces that seed of the woman from Adam to Noah to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob all the way through the generations to Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus who would crush the serpent's head on the cross. Just like Adam and Eve had to choose life in God or death apart from God, each of us must choose light and life in Christ or darkness and death in our sin. When Jesus came to his own people, God's chosen nation of Israel, they rejected him. Their leaders falsely condemned him, crucified him, dead and buried. Okay, that's the definition of rejection. Crucified, dead, buried. Which seems crazy to us as we read the scriptures. He was the very one whom God had promised them. He was the sir, the savior, their Messiah. They had been waiting for all those centuries for Him to come. But they lived in darkness, and they could not see Him. They could not recognize Him because they were blinded by their sin. But not all of them. Some did see the light, John tells us. Some did receive Jesus, and believe in his name. John tells us that everyone who believes in Jesus is born into the family of God. We cannot work our way into the family of God. We do not merit God's favor by our lineage or our heritage. We cannot decide that he will forgive our sin. We must be born. We must be born into the family of God, by faith in Jesus. It's a spiritual rebirth, by God's grace, through faith in Jesus, who is the life giver. It makes total sense. In Jesus is life. Life shines through him. He is the one who shines forth resurrection life. The true light of Christmas is the light of life that shines in the darkness by the will of God for the salvation of all who will believe in Jesus. You won't find that on a billboard. But you will find that in the Gospel of John. And that is Christmas. Here's the Christmas message and the Advent that we've been longing for. In verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Did you hear those words? He's a reason. Here's a a reason for all the busy stuff going on. Here's a reason to deck the halls. Here's a reason to trim the trees and to buy presents and to bring out the figgy pudding. In fact, there's, there's reason here to actually give your life to God. There's that much reason here. The beginning word, the creation word, the with God word, the was God word became a man like us and dwelt among us, in the very fullness of God. What makes that so astonishing? Because no one on earth has ever seen God. But Jesus, who is God, has made Him known. In Jesus we see the Son of the Father. In Jesus we see the grace and the truth and the glory of God Himself. But more than that he brings those things as gifts to us. We don't just see glory and grace and truth. He brings them as gifts. From Christ's fullness, from his godness, we are saved by redeeming grace of God. We're transformed by the sanctifying truth of God. We behold and become part of the eternal glory of God. By faith, your life is hid with God in Christ. And when His glory appears, you will be revealed with Him in glory. Moses made the law of God known so that we might pursue Him. But Jesus has made God Himself known to us. In Christ, we know God. Personally, intimately, meaningfully purposefully, joyfully, unchangingly, forever. The powerful Word of God came to save us from our sin. The bright light of God came to give us life, because life is His to give and ours to receive by faith in Jesus Christ. He is the babe born in Bethlehem. Let's pick up and read in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now, the John mentioned back in verse 6 is not the Apostle John, our author, but John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And the narration continues with his testimony about Jesus. John the Baptist has been telling people that God's Messiah is coming and that the people should repent of their sin and prepare to receive God's word, God's light. At that time, there were many false messiahs. There were many people making false claims about themselves, religious claims, men claiming to be the Messiah, falsely, of course, to to suit their own gain, whether that meant popularity or money or or just a movement, some recognition. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, sent a team of priests and Levites to investigate John the Baptist because John had gathered a following of righteous people, and he was becoming well-known. So they asked him, who are you? Now, John the Baptist knows that he's John the Baptist, and that's what he tells them. But but do you claim to be the Christ, the Messiah? No, I am not the Christ. Or do you claim to be the prophet Elijah? Now, Elijah was the prophet of God who did not die but was taken up to live with God in heaven, and in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, the end of the Old Testament books, God says that he will send Elijah back before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, this is not the great and terrible day of the Lord, and John is not Elijah. And John is not claiming to be Elijah. So many of the Jews were looking for Elijah, but John says, no, I'm not Elijah. Do you claim to be the prophet with a capital P? The prophet with a capital P is a reference to the Messiah, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, in which God tells Moses that he will raise up for the people a prophet, with a capital P, like Moses, from among their brothers, so from among the Jews, and they will listen to him. But John says, no, I'm not him either. See, John cannot be confused with Jesus, to whom he's testifying. You and I don't have that problem, do we? I've never talked to somebody about Christ and said, now wait a minute, are you... Are you the Christ you're talking about? Never had that that insinuation about me. Maybe you have. But John can't be confused with Jesus to whom he's testifying. The Apostle John tells us in verse 8 that John the Baptist was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. John the Baptist differentiates himself from Jesus in verse 15 saying that even though Jesus comes after him, Jesus ranks before him because he was before him, referring to his eternality. And in verse 27, John the Baptist says that he's not worthy to untie Jesus' sandal strap. No. I'm not him about whom I proclaim. John the Baptist will not let anyone confuse the identity of Jesus. Certainly not with himself. John's mission is to testify to Jesus. And he makes that clear. Only Jesus is the light. Only Jesus is the word. John identifies himself as a voice crying out in the wilderness for the people to make straight the way of the Lord. Now, that's a reference from Isaiah chapter 40, which announces that God will deliver his people from their captivity in Babylon and commands them to be ready and prepared by preparing a way for him. That way is to repent of their unbelief and to turn their hearts to God. That's the way of making the path straight. And he tells tells that to the people in exile in Babylon. I'll bring you out. I'll deliver you. Prepare yourself in this way. That's what John's baptism symbolized. A repentant heart and a desire to receive Jesus, the coming Messiah. John the Baptist identifies himself as a voice crying out in the wilderness for the people to make this way straight. And that's what's happening here. Jesus is coming to deliver his people from bondage to their sin. Do you see? We're in exile to our sin. We're in darkness in our sin. And John the Baptist is calling people to repentance to make a straight path for the Lord to come to their hearts. That's what John's baptism symbolized. A repentant heart. A desire to receive Jesus, the coming Messiah. Christmas is specifically the celebration of Jesus' birth. Advent is more broadly the celebration of his coming. Or better said, the preparation for his coming. The coming of Jesus is so significant an event that God sends someone ahead to announce it. That's what John the Baptist is doing. That's John's job. In verses 6 and 7, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse 23, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, the angel announced to the priest Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth would bear a son who will be great before the Lord. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." That's John the Baptist. John is the forerunner. John's the herald in the the procession that comes before the king. He's not Jesus, but he is the last of the Old Testament prophets who proclaims Jesus coming by calling sinners to repentance and to look up and see Jesus coming. Conviction of sin And repentance, turning away from sin, must precede salvation from sin. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, John's father, Zechariah, says this at John's birth. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. John's mission and message is that Jesus is coming. John is a living and breathing, walking and talking Christmas car. And on the front of the card, we read, Jesus is coming, and he's bringing salvation with him. And we open up the card of John's life and John's message, and we read on the inside, Repent of your sin now, and believe and receive Jesus. How's that for a Christmas card? That's John the Baptist's message. He goes on in verse 29. The next day, He saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this I came, baptizing this purpose with water, that he might be revealed John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River and he exclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, sometimes you get get asked this question, if you could go back anywhere in history, what moment in history would you like to go back to? That would be a good one. History, the world, the universe, everything was changed with that announcement. Behold, The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Epoch changing. Eternity changing. Life changing. John had been preaching that God's Messiah is coming, and now he has come. Now he has come. John is quick. To put the two things in order. Jesus, whom he has been proclaiming, outranks him. And John's baptism of Jesus reveals Jesus as the Messiah. This is kind of Jesus' coming-out party. To say, I'm here and I'm here to minister. I've come to rescue my people. There are two things here we need to grasp hold of before we move on. Jesus does not submit to water baptism because he needs to repent. No, Jesus is perfectly righteous and without sin. Jesus submits to John's baptism symbolically as a representative of his people. We should see Jesus here as the second Israel. The first Israel failed. They were sinful and rejecting and unbelieving and unfaithful. But Jesus is the second Israel. He embodies all of his people, the faithful Israel, who brings grace and truth. Secondly, the world the world means all peoples here. That does not mean every single person without exception, but all peoples without distinction. From every people, tribe, tongue, and nation. That's what he's saying. So he has come to save all of his elect. Not just the elect from among the Jews, but from among the Gentiles also. Jesus has come to save all of his people. The Lamb of God is a reference to the Passover Lamb at Israel's exodus. From bondage in Egypt. You, you catch that, right? The Lamb of God. That's what John the Baptist knows. John the Baptist sees Jesus, the Lamb of God, in Isaiah 53 terms. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. But by oppression and judgment, He was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Now, the Apostle John also sees Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who's writing here. But he sees John in different terms. He sees Jesus in different terms. In Revelation chapter 5 terms, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, and for God, to take for God people from every tribe and tongue and language and people and nation. And you have made him a kingdom of priests to our God, and shall, they shall reign on earth You see, in order to take away our sins, Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb and the warrior lamb. He would sacrifice himself on the cross to pay the price for our sins against God. And he would fight to defeat our enemies of sin and death. And in his resurrection, be victorious in life. He is the eternal word of truth that defeats the devil's lies. And he is the true light of life who outshines the darkness of sin and death. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Hark the herald, angels sing. Glory to this newborn king. Right? The word Messiah or Christ means anointed one. How is it that John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that he was proclaiming? How do you know it was Jesus of Nazareth, his cousin? See, John knew Jesus was his cousin by birth. But God revealed to John that Jesus was the Messiah by God's own anointing. As John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, under mild protest, you may remember, I should baptize you. Jesus said, let it be done. God the Father baptized his Son with God the Spirit. And so John the Baptist, God's chosen and sent prophet, Testifies to us in verse 24, I have seen and borne witness that this Jesus is the Son of God. Christmas is that time when the world, which is cloaked in darkness, tells us to believe. You will see that on a billboard or in a television program, an animated TV special. You'll hear people say your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, you just need to believe. The question is, what to believe? This sinful world pretends to offer endless options for you to believe in to suit your every whim. You can change beliefs. You can believe many things all at once. You can believe nothing. As long as you believe But there are really just two options, aren't there? John chapter 1 makes it clear. You can go on believing in yourself. It's a pretty attractive option. It's the default option that everyone knows and is comfortable with. It's the sales pitch that the devil has been using successfully since the beginning with Adam and Eve. But it leads to darkness and deception and death. Jesus is the light of life piercing through that darkness so that you can see him and understand him and know him. He's the word we've looked at this morning. Do you see him? Jesus is the word of God's power, defeating lies and truth, killing sin with righteousness, and saving all who believe in him. So believe in him. See him this morning. Believe in him this morning. Place all of your faith, all of your trust on the babe born in Bethlehem. He is the very son of God who is saving his people from their sin all day, day after day, the world over. That's what he's doing right now. Beloved brothers and sisters, here's your Christmas message to proclaim. Jesus is the Word made flesh, the light of life, the Son of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Now that's something to get excited about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you that you sent him for us. We bow down before him. We seek to worship him and give him our gifts, to give him our lives and our devotion and our love and service to your glory. Thank you for the Christmas message. Give us courage to share it, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.